Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Alex Valetis. I want to kick things off by getting a better understanding of what you are doing now at LinkedIn as the sole product manager for one of LinkedIn enterprise products. And I thought before we dig into that, because this is a bugaboo of yours, (laughs) you've written a whole post about this on um, Medium, about what Mm -hmm. a product manager is, And there may be people who are confused out there about the difference between a a product manager and a software developer or an engineer. So what is a product manager and what makes it such an interesting job? Yeah, I'm really glad that you actually asked that question up front because being a product manager, it's, it's a somewhat ambiguous role. It's something that's still new to some tech companies. So basically, the way I try to describe it is that you're the connective tissue between the different job functions on a team. So, you know, you have designers that are often putting together mocks and experiences. You have engineers that will then go and implement it. You have marketing stakeholders who will actually work on a go-to-market and a comps plan to actually get this out there. And as a product manager, I really sit across all of it. And my job is to essentially take in these inputs from all these really smart people I work with, trying to boil those down into key product decisions and decide what we're going to build for our users in the future. And, you know, one of the best analogies I can think of on it is that you're kind of like a conductor operating between the different functions. You don't have the opportunity to actually play an instrument. However, if you screw up the conducting at any point, it'll actually throw off the whole band or orchestra. So that's one analogy. The other one that I think is a more slightly more hands-on one is like, you know, you're kind of the quarterback on a team. So again, a quarterback without any other sort of players on the field, nothing happens. The ball doesn't go anywhere. But what a quarterback does have, it's the potential to unlock the talent of those around him. And essentially, that's what a good product manager should be trying to do is clearing obstacles for the really smart people on their team and letting them go and do what they do best. Nice. And you are the sole PM for Elevate. Your title is product lead. First of all, what is Elevate? And does that mean that sometimes there's more than one 
product manager that's working on a particular product? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I came to LinkedIn about two years ago, and it was a really unique role. And what really intrigued me about it was, as you mentioned, it was an opportunity to be the one product manager on this entire enterprise application. And traditionally speaking, you know, especially for larger products at LinkedIn, we can see anywhere from 10 to 15 product managers on just one space. So I was extremely intrigued by this space. It was an app that you know had some of the largest companies in the world using it as customers. And essentially what Elevate is, is employee advocacy application. So we essentially give tools through our software to companies to help them push safe and approved content to their employees and their employees can share it to all their networks in one click. And this is really important for highly regulated industries. Think of people that work in the healthcare industry with strong HIPAA compliance rules, people with FINRA rules in the finance industry. This really gives them an opportunity to participate in social media in a way they wouldn't have before. What's also really exciting is that for the past two years, I've been operating in this enterprise world. And we recently made the decision that we are actually going to fold the functionality of Elevate into our basically LinkedIn pages ecosystem and give it away for free. So what I think is so exciting about this is that we see over a million companies actively engaging with LinkedIn on a monthly basis. This is from you know the large companies like Microsoft in the world to the little mom and pop small business around the corner. And essentially what we're going to do is we're going to now give this functionality to them. And as part of that, I'm leading the employee experience on LinkedIn, which is basically how do we help people interact with their coworkers and their company on LinkedIn. Traditionally speaking, people think of LinkedIn as that's where I go for my next play. I want to go find a new job. So now I'm going to get on it. Whereas we fundamentally believe that it also should be a place that you can go to interact with your current company and your current coworkers. So been working on this for literally over a year. We're finally starting to get you know the big pieces out there. And I couldn't be more excited for how this is going to improve the ecosystem and the app moving forward. Sounds really interesting. What are all of your job responsibilities, Alex? And I'm actually curious how they relate to what they look like on the piece of paper when you applied for the job. Do they really match or do you feel that they actually that the job has evolved or maybe ended up being a little different in practice? Yeah, I think what's really interesting about the role of a product manager, it can be very fluid depending on what part of the product life cycle you are in. So for instance, if if you come into a project or a team and you haven't built anything yet, you're in more of what I call an exploratory phase. So you'll spend a lot of time talking to customers and potential users and a lot of time going through these like prototypes. And you're really trying to figure out what's that first thing we can get out there and start to learn from. Now, on the other hand, if you do already have a product out there and you're trying to make optimizations, say you want to bring in some artificial intelligence to improve the recommendation algorithm, say you want to add an additional feature on top of this pretty meaty product already, then what you would be more in is what I call the executional phase. So making sure that you are answering the right questions and making the right decisions to help you know the engineering team actually build and implement this. When you're at a really large company like LinkedIn, where there are like 700 million users, things break when it gets that big. So you have to make sure that you're not only executing well, but that operations are solid. And then I think the last part is what we call sort of this like go to market or like ongoing sort of buzz around it. So now that you've 
brought something from concept to actually out there and people are using it, how do you get more people to use it? How do you grow it? And telling that story of why you should spend your time. People are so busy. Why should they spend their time on this app or this feature? How will it help improve their lives? That's another part of the role. So it's a very amorphous role. If you ask 10 product managers what they do, you might get 10 different responses. But I think that's part of what makes it so awesome. You mentioned earlier that you kind of see the PM role as being somewhat like a conductor. You're not playing an instrument, but you're helping harmonize all the different instruments in the orchestra, all the different roles. It also sounds a little bit to me like the role of a CEO in a microcosm. You're not worrying about P&L. You're not worrying about whether people are going to get their paychecks. But I kind of have, I mean, the idea that you sit at the center of the marketing and comms team and the product development team and the engineering team, and I'm guessing also the sales team, the folks that are going to be or partnerships team, biz dev. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first started my career, I actually heard on a lot of like online articles and like videos, you know, as a product manager, you are the CEO of the product. And while I think as an early professional, it feels cool to have that sort of relationship or even people suggesting that, I think the reality I've learned is that there is a pretty stark contrast. And I think the main difference is this actual authority and autonomy. So as a CEO, you know, you have nearly complete authority and autonomy to make decisions. And so much of my role is through influence. At the end of the day, like I can't go and tell people we have to do this. If you don't do this, you're in trouble. It's more, I need to tell a compelling story and narrative on why we should do this. And, you know, on paper, yes, technically, product makes a lot of these decisions, but it'll only be as successful as you are able to bring people along on that journey and they agree with you. So I think that's a big difference between like a CEO and a product manager is like you have no direct reports. You don't have any of this authority. That being said, I think a lot of really successful CEOs have had product in their past. And I think the reason why they started in product was if you can learn to lead through influence rather than authority, when you have the authority, I think you appreciate it a lot more. You don't make shortcuts and basically get lazy, right? And cut people out of the process, but you bring them along too. And that's something that I've seen in the best leaders in the tech and business world in general. Yeah, no doubt. You have, is it 12 dedicated engineers in your team, I guess, working on this enterprise. And your CV also says that you've got a 40 plus GTM headcount. What does that mean? I mean, that's part of the enterprise and that that is shifting. Um, I'm glad you called it out. So, you know, when you work on an enterprise product, you not only have to build this thing, but you actually need people to go out and sell it. And that's a pretty, you know, big difference in what we call the world of enterprise and the world of consumer. So, Yes, we have 12 basically engineers as well as a designer and other roles like business operations who are helping, you know, sort of build and put the product together. And in the enterprise world, you would have basically what we call go to market partners. These are people who help go out and sell what's being built, uh, people who are actually doing, you know, we call it customer success. So essentially making sure that our top clientele and customers 
are having their feedback heard, that they have input to the roadmap and all of that. Um, what's so interesting about my current role is that we're actually transitioning from that enterprise world to the consumer world. And so at that point, a lot of our you know go-to-market partners and stuff are going to other LinkedIn products and stuff to help continue those on the enterprise space. But again, I think that's been, you know, one of the more challenging, but also intriguing parts of a transition like this is that you fundamentally change the mechanisms you go to market with before with Elevate when it was standalone or how it is now, you need people out selling it in the future. When we complete this transition, you'll essentially be able to onboard with just software on its own. So it'll be a really intriguing uh, sort of transition and excited to bring it to so many more companies. Because, you know, when you look at like a small business of like, 20 people, it's it's hard to bring a dedicated salesperson out to them to sell the product. But when you give it to them for free, and maybe you push a notification that say, hey, this feature is waiting for you, you know, the potential to scale is, is just massive at that point. So can you take us into a typical day, Alex? I know you are currently in Wisconsin, hanging out with yeah. your parents during the coronavirus. We're doing this interview in the middle of September, but you yeah. will be heading back out west. Nevertheless, you'll probably still be working remotely. What yeah. is a typical day like during the coronavirus? Yeah. So I think for me, so much of my role is dependent on intaking information from different people and then disseminating it to the right ones. So a huge chunk of my calendar is in fact around meetings, whether it's in one-on-one settings to basically hear feedback from our support team or our marketing team. What are people saying about the products? What are the gaps? And then I can intake that information. And then when I meet with our engineering team or designers, we talk about, okay, what would a solution to this look like? How are the things we're building and tracking now? Are we building the right things? Are we on schedule? So a huge chunk of the day is what I would really call sort of stakeholder communication and like sort of management of making sure that everyone is unblocked and has the information they need to do their job well. Then what I do is then put like a chunk of my calendar, I'll actually hard block off calendar time for me to work on things that I call more like deep work. So whether it's writing a product specification, where I basically put together a couple page document of this is the problem we want to solve. Here's what the solution look like it's a really low fidelity mock-up of how we do it. And then I would take that to a designer later or spending time to sit down and actually go into our dashboard and say, okay, how many people visited this page with this feature today. All right, we had 100,000 members. How can we get it to 150,000 next week? So that deep work time, I think is really important as a product manager because oftentimes we are the only people that have the bandwidth to go do that and actually go look at the dashboards or to go write up these specifications. And then I said the last part, and this is less related to my job, uh, directly, but it's making sure there's enough time in my day to explore our LinkedIn ecosystem. So I always read about we're such a big company, and it's impossible to actually know and talk to everyone all the time. But we do a good job of sending out emails when a new feature is out. And what I'll do is I'll go read the emails describing the feature. I'll go play with it myself. And what you begin to do is over time, you learn about this sort of massive software ecosystem you have. And at some point in the future, you might say, Hey, what if we pair this feature with this new feature? Wouldn't that be really awesome for the customer? So at a company like LinkedIn, it's really important that you bake in that time as well to do what I call like kind of exploration of the products because that's where some of the best new ideas come from. 
Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.